my approach to riding around Bedford is to start as far away as you can from the required endpoint, and then see if you can make your way back there. So it's a bit, it's a bit like kind of, it's a bit kind of, but kind of like, like journalistic orienteering, really. <laughs> In what way? I, I love that idea, that kind of high wire actor. We might start talking about double glazing or um, or uh, some odd story about my my past, and then, then we'll end up with a recipe for um, the perfect uh, Victoria sponge. It's glorious, isn't it? I, love, it's, I think that's one of the things I love about food writing now. It's just moved so far beyond those days of, of uh, here's how we make parklets. I think, I think there have always been those wonderful rides like MJK Fisher and James Beard and Julia Child and you know I mean there, there is this this kind of wonderful culture of that, that kind of writing but I, mean, I think generally across the board we're seeing far more beautiful colour writing now appearing in the, in the food pages as it does already appear in the say, literary appearance pages. Some of our, some of our kind of you know, film critics have been fantastic and beautifully written stuff and it's kind of nice to see that that, that, that kind of attention to words and to, and to imagery kind of kind of flourishes. I mean, that's a, surely that's the great writing should be the reason why, why, you, why you pick up your paper. Well, you don't I mean, have to really be that interested necessarily writing, even in food. It's shoddy writing with the, with the occasional gag thrown in also at its place, which is probably, probably where I come in. Yeah, well, you've defected from Fairfax. I, I have, yes, after, after, after 10 years. I don't know, is it a defection? Are, you, are we implying that, that, Fair, that Fairfax is like, is like the Russian Empire and um, somehow crossed the, the Berlin Wall? Um, I look, yeah, look, I, I wrote for them a long, a long time, and there, there's no doubt, there's no doubt that what's, what attracted me to, to, to this new role is that, that, that kind of the national perspective. It. I mean, that, that to me is exciting. I'm going to write a story on Australia's best burger. So are you going to be, well, dumbing it down is not the word, is, but, but it's a different audience. Um, you know, it's, an, it's an interesting question, isn't it, that, that I, mean, I, I made a joke about Zoroastrianism the other day in my second column, and, I'm, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I think I'm long maintained, so as you write clearly, and you really don't need to understand the, you know, what the name of the, the principal prophet um, in the Zoroastrian religion is in order to get the gag. You just know the fact that the word Zoroastrian um, is an unusual word to see um, in any newspaper. So I suppose, I suppose it's, I mean, I, I think there'll be, it's got to be clear and concise, um, and it can't be too. And, it, and look, this, it's quite nice. I think it, what it can't be is we can get away with a lot more wankiness in a broadsheet. That's definitely one of my, my weaknesses. I mean, it was me <laughs> in terms of I'm just going to ramble on. That's what I'm going to do. Ramble on in a normal way and, um, and hopefully people will like it. And if they, if they don't, then I shall undoubtedly um, yield to the audience's whip. Do you think you'll be talking maybe, uh, maybe more to people who like to cook as opposed to people who are, are great chefs? I suppose one of those things, because you're a food critic and because I do have to eat in smart restaurants and travel around the world going to amazing places to eat, I think the perception that, that, that what one writes about and what I write about is, is, is the highfalutin end of the market, and that's probably 15, 20% of what I do. Um, the vast bulk of it, you know, the things that give me, the things that give me the great joy are that perfect chip that you find. You're in a, you're in a little seaside town before Christmas and they, they bought out these, these this bowl of chips that were just like, they were super crunchy on the outside. They were wonderfully soft and fluffy in the middle. They were perfectly seasoned. And you just went, yes, you know, we are all, and to a degree, foodies. In terms of, I put three raspberry jams in front of you and asked you to taste them. Um, and after any, like a general kind of selection of 10 Aussies from all sort of backgrounds, they would, I would say 80% of them would pick what I would see as being the, you know, the, the, the gas 
astronomically perfect raspberry jam because we're all animals of taste and, and we kind of understand what a good steak and what a bad steak is even if we can't maybe identify it in the shop before it's cooked or have the language discuss why one is better you know our body will say yum to one and um little little less yum to the other tell me about the perfect chip how do you make it the ultimate, the ultimate is to get, um, and, and this comes from Joel Robichon, is, is to get the fat from around the from around the kidneys of a horse and boil a chip in that, which I think is a little bit excessive. Um, but but if you if you were the real super purist, you'd fly to France and do that. For me, it's all about it's all about the, the twice or thrice cooking. A lot of people now are doing, are doing triple fried or doing, like triple cooked. Or suddenly they're, they're drying the chips, they're drying the chips in the fridge because obviously or freezing so they they, they dehydrate because that. That and obviously the drier the potato, the crunchier the strip. But do you know what the honest truth is? Go on. There are certain things that are, that are perfect at home and are never as good in a restaurant. Roast chicken being a prime example of that. But there are also certain things that you go, do you honestly want to you know, go through all the palaver with a deep fat fryer? What are you going to do with the oil? Go to wait for cool down in order to make a, a thing of chips. And you can nip down the end of the road and go to that place where they make the perfect hand-cut chips um, and, and, and spend the money there. And for, and for the princely sum of whatever, $6, you'll get, you'll get a lovely little cone of absolutely perfect perfect fried potatoes but mashed potato again same thing mashed potato happy to make mashed potato that's much as far as you roast potatoes always seem to be better at home than they are in, than they are in a restaurant or a cafe um, so there's definitely a list of definitely a list of toast toast never good never good in hotels or restaurants always really good at home there's a kind of long list of there's kind of long list of things that um that we need to we, we should I think probably do at home and stuff we shouldn't do at home because they're always disappointing it's hilarious, isn't it, that something as simple as a chip can be so difficult and sadly illegal, I think, to eat horses in uh, Western Australia. Anyway, I don't know about uh, your, yeah, your well, side of the country. I know that, that horse trade one is a, is, is a fascinating, scary subject. And look, I mean, you know, it's a, I think also there's a lot of stuff with... Um, I mean, the, 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 the what protein we eat and what protein we don't eat is another really interesting, interesting debate. And um, I'm, I'm a believer that basically you can't, you can't eat anything that, that you can give a name to. Because I think that you know that, that that's in, you know your dog your dog's rover your cat your cat's puss or whatever. Um, I have another friend another friend who won't eat anything with eyelashes. Oh, which I kind of think. Which no, I what about that? That cuts out pretty much everything that's yummy. But it does mean you can eat fish and stuff like that. There, there's an intellectual kind of discussion about what you eat. Then, then, then there's a kind of an emotional, an emotional. And I like the fact the eyelashes kind of acknowledges that for lots of people, what they will and won't eat is, is an emotional, an emotional question. I guess I'm sort of, um, I'm, a, I'm a bit funny about things that I think are other other people's babies. So you know, which which makes it a little bit tricky. So I don't I don't like to buy it, but I'm happy to eat it if somebody puts it in front of me. So I eat out yeah. a lot. Our responsibility as meat eaters sometimes is to is to actually go and look your dinner in the eye every so often, and just to kind of just so you realise the responsibility of what you're doing. And I kind of like that. I kind of like like that idea that we should we should not we should not just blindly consume. We could do, we should have a should have a think about it and then then, then make this. I am a I am a you know I, I am a carnivore. Let's get this straight. Um, but killing a pig to make salamis taught me a lot about you know it, it kind of it kind of refocuses you on the um, responsibility. When did you kill the pig? Did you hate it? Um, oh yeah, well, um, no. You know, I was I was, I was with an, an, a Calabrian family in the northeast of Victoria, um, making salamis with them, and um, and I, it was actually so strangely. 
because there's a whole ritual of cleaning the body after the um after after you kill the pig and the and the, the respect about how they do it. But there's this weird thing where we all we all sat around after the pig had died and um using hot water um and sharp razors we shaved all the bristles off. So he cleaned it and shaved it before it went to be butchered. So it was it was a really strange kind of um uh, kind of respectful moment. It was it was odd. It was um. Spiritual is the wrong word, but you know the, the, the meeting avatar where they where they all thank the animal for the, for its life when they when they eat it. There were, there were elements of that. There were elements of, of that day, which I thought was which I thought was interesting. That these were these were kind of unreconstructed, you know, forty fifty year old farmers, but treating the animal with, with a certain amount of, bad amount of respect after death, which was was interesting to see. I guess it is a kind of nice spirituality connection with where it's come from, as opposed to sort of wrapped up in plastic. Yeah. I think I think that, that that old idea of of actually having a debate when you stand in the supermarket aisle about which eggs to buy is something that you know that that's very new compared to say say ten years ago you know barn laid barn laid free range or whatever um, and I think that's I think that that's definitely a kind of you know we talk people talk about about fair trade or they talk about organic or they talk about sustainability or and so all those ideas and I think again it's you know, it's certainly important in a country like ours where we have issues. Of issues of water, we have issues of salinity. We, we have some quite serious, some quite serious matters that we need to address, and we need to kind of be be sensible about how we husband our resources and how we use them in order, in order so we've all got a decent dinner to have in three generations' time. Well, yes, because I've read, um, I think, very strong views from uh, Jamie Oliver. I think about free-range chicken farming, and then equally strong views. I think it was uh, might have been Gordon Ramsay who said, "Well, yes, but if we're going to do that, you know, and we're, and we're thinking about the space we've got in." Britain, for example, we're probably better off here, then, um, you know, we're going to have to knock down all the houses and build chicken farms because yeah, there just isn't enough room. But, you know, but that, 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 that's, that's, yeah, Gordon, welcome to his own opinions. My, my, you know, historically, when, when we started in Australia, people, people were, were enticed from Europe on the promise of meat three times a day. But, but if you actually look at the, the, if you look at the standard diets of people outside of the kind of the nobility, you know, we, we lived on, we lived on a carb with something flavoursome to go with it. You know, it was kind of a, you know, we lived on a gruel, or we lived on a porridge, or we lived on a pasta, or we lived on a risotto, or we lived on a rice. You know, so, so, so we, I think probably it's a matter of a matter of, a matter of eating uh, of changing the balance towards more vegetables more 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 vegetables more kind of more kind of uh, complex carbohydrates and um and away from probably having an 800 gram t-bone for dinner i'm going to take you off on a on a, another tangent entirely i know you've got to go but i've got um i've i've, uh, I've just bought your cd music for cooking and music for eating right. and i just it's um very cute how they differ I want to play you a song just to to end. Yeah. So, can you pick one for me? Would you go for the eating or the cooking? Um, I'd go for the. I'd go. Um, I think after a conversation, the way way we start, we started a bit kind of um, uh, crazy, crazy, and we've kind of um, and we've kind of come down to a bit more thoughtful area. Little earnest. I, I, and, Ernest, and I think we probably have to go with something like um, the church is under the Milky Way tonight because I think that's a I think that's a beautiful song and it's um, I formed a band with three other guys who'd all independently seen the video um, at different places in the UK and we formed a band around wanting to be like the church so it's it kind of and it's so it's got a, a role for me I interviewed the interviewed the boys a couple of times and um, and I think it's a and I think it's a it's a fine a fine song that, that, that is a perfect kind of background to whatever you're doing at this precise moment. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Matt.
Lovely. Thank you so much. Matt Preston.